everybody. Welcome to B.O. Boys for Tuesday, September 14th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. Pat, and we do not have time. We need to plow. Uh, we Must always plow. say that we're going to get right into it, but we got to get right into it because this is a packed, packed, packed show. Yeah, more than ever before. So j- 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 just plow. Okay. Number one. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, $34.7 million, a, a, a fall of only 54%. It is now at $144.5 million in its second weekend. Number two, Free Guy, $5.5 million, down only 37%. It is losing some theaters, lost 220 theaters. It is now at $101.5 million in its fifth weekend. Number three, a newbie, Malignant, $5.4 million. It opened in 3,485 theaters. It is an HBO Max day and date movie. Number four, Candyman. $4.7 million, down only 54%. Losing some theaters, 290 theaters it lost. But it is at $46.9 million in its third frame. Number five, Jungle Cruise. Made $2.3 million, down 42%. Lost some theaters, lost 310 theaters. It is now at $109.7 million in its seventh frame, and that is your top five for the weekend of September 10th. Wow. So just one one thing that's not on there that, that we should note, because we did put it in our previews last week, Queen Pins, which is the Kristen Bell uh, uh, STX comedy film about women who's, who, who scam with coupons, there is no box office information for that movie. We we thought that would be a movie that would bomb and make it in the low single digits. It, it it's nowhere to be found. Um, I gotta give a a shout out to a wannabe old boy on Twitter, uh, named Bill Brasky is his handle, who tweeted at me during the week that he had had information that. Queen Pins, in fact, was not getting a wide relief. It was released. It was only going to be playing in Cinemark Theater, so less than 600 locations. He expected it to not make very much at all. He was on the mark. It's made so little that they're not even reporting numbers on it. And apparently, apparently, it's set to premiere on Paramount Plus at the end of the month. So that that's the Queen Pin story. Thanks. Uh, shout out again to wannabe old boy Bill Brasky on Twitter. Going out there doing the research, Queen Pins is basically a, a non-entity in the theaters. Thank you, thank you, Bill. Yeah, we saw we saw it on the numbers that it was going to get a wide release. We we sh- we shouldn't rely strictly on that. We will do better. Yeah, yeah. So takeaways from this: Shang Chi, great hold, fifty-four percent. The thing about this is that it is performing the way a movie of this level. Marvel-wise, would be in a normal circumstance because second week drops for Ant-Man and the Wasp, 62%. Wow. Doctor Strange, 49%. And Guardians of the Galaxy, which Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, 
was a was a bigger hit, but it dropped fifty five percent. So this is a great drop. Yeah, I mean, just compare it to Black Widow earlier this summer. Which opened sixty eight percent, a sixty eight percent drop. Went from eighty million to twenty five million, and also this summer F nine opening weekend to the second weekend had a 67% drop, 70 all the way down to 23. So I think what the big story here is, and we have talked about it, how the day and date, you know, PVOD, which we agree is a superior model to the, to the, you know, just release it on a, on a streamer as is, it, it doesn't necessarily affect the opening weekend, but it clearly affects the next few weeks. And the fact that Shang-Chi is theaters only for this 45-day window means that people want to see it, and the only way they could see it is to cart their behinds out to a movie theater. So I think we're seeing these models, you know, the, there's been talk of experiments, and I think the experimenting all summer is showing that you have a little bit of a window. You have some kind of a window. Yeah, and and just just to mention this because we were going to mention this later, but it's it, I think it's important now is that people are saying, oh, because of Shang Chi and how well it did, Disney made this move. But I don't know. Disney seems to know what it wants to do ahead of time. But it's the rest of its twenty twenty one slate is going to go theater exclusive, mm-hmm. and it's going to have specific windows so in uh, Disney animations in Kanto which will open November 24th is going to have a 30 day exclusive window theatrically and then it's going to go to Disney plus the rest of the pictures will have a 45 day exclusive run so the last duel Ron's okay. gone wrong Eternals West Side Story and the Kingsman remember that movie Wow. The prequel is, to the King, the what is that? The Kingsman? The prequel to the Kingsman, I yeah. think. Who knows? I mean, it's it's, it's Kingsman. It's I think it's Kingsman. That's why this is called the Kingsman. I anyway. Mean, that, that is some that's some old baloney right there. Yeah. So we talk about musty. So these yeah. will have 45 day exclusive theatrical windows. So I think that's the I think that's the model. Yeah, and you know the other thing about this Chang Chi number is thirty four point seven million in its second weekend. That is uh, by far the biggest non opening weekend we have seen for a movie post pandemic. You know, like like we we how many times have we gotten excited over a thirty four million dollar opening weekend? Chang Chi gave us a thirty four million dollar yeah. second weekend. You know that that's a that's a uh, something that really, to me, makes me feel comfortable again. Makes me feel like things are healing, and I'm sure makes the theater owners feel like things are healing when a movie in its second weekend could hit that thirty plus million dollar mark. It's starting to feel like the old times at the box office. And then looking down that list, of course, Free Guy is one of those movies. Another amazing hold, only dropped thirty seven percent. I mean, Malignant, I think the big story on this movie is it was clearly a one for them, one for us situation. This was James Wan's one for us. It's a it's a 
a crazy movie that I, I think in the healthiest of times would have bombed because it's just not the type of movie that mass audiences would have responded to. Um, but it's the perfect Streamo movie because word started getting out on social media probably by like Friday afternoon that people are tweeting, the third act of this movie is nuts. This movie is crazy. You got to see the ending. You got to see the ending. And that type of buzz isn't necessarily going to get people to get into a car, get the car on the road, you know, get gas in the car while they're on the road, get to a theater. It's going to make them pick up the remote control that's just sitting in between their legs. They couldn't find it at first. And there it was. And they put the TV on and they watch the ending. You know, like that that type of movie is perfect for Streamo because someone tells you, hey, you got to see this right now. And guess what? It's on my TV right now. This movie had a lot of Twitter buzz, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that translated to viewers because it did have 53% less HBO Max households watching it than The Conjuring 3, which I guess makes sense because Conjuring 3 is, Conjuring's a, bigger is a franchise, it's a property. So 753,000 U.S. households watched it according to Samba TV. But that is, that's such a bigger skew for what the box office of this movie was. Because what we've seen up to this point is if a movie does well at the box office and it's day and date on HBO Max, it also does well on the TV views. Mm -hmm. And this is a movie that did terribly in the box office, but it's, TV views were were a lot higher than it didn't really correlate, you know. So I think what this showed is it it again proved tweets are not ticks because all those tweets about the third act did not treat did not translate to buy, people buying tickets to just walk in in the third act. But tweets are clicks, you know. People use their clicker on their TV to go to HBO Max. Yes, because it's a similar kind of laziness. Exactly. It's uh, you look at something in your right hand and you do something else with your left hand, which is use the remote control. That's what that's what I meant. So, I mean, that's pretty much the story of Malignant and, you know, everything else is uh, Candyman is going to end up making over 50 million, which I think is great for a sort of B property horror movie. And Jungle Cruise just keeps plowing along. It's going to get possibly to 120 when things are all said and done. So, I mean, that's just a big, big hit. Yes. All right, so we need to mention something that happened last, God, what was it, Thursday? It was last Thursday, because we considered jumping on Mike for a bonus emergency episode. It couldn't make it work. Again, problem like this would be solved if, you know, Sirius XM, Spotify, Terrestrial Radio jumped in with a half a billion dollar B.O. Boys contract and we could go five days a week. But so, yes, it was last Thursday. And Halloween Kills, a much anticipated mm -hmm. film. It was announced that this film is going to go day and date on Peacock. Oh. And we were flummoxed by this because, number one, nobody has Peacock. Nobody knows how to navigate Peacock. Nobody cares about Peacock. And so yeah. the, I think it's going to make no difference in the box office for this movie. 
But what it's going to do is it's going to diminish this property. Yes. A hundred percent. It's, it's, it's such a, such a strange move, especially coming off of a couple of weeks of very good box office news. You know, we talked about this when, when they moved Venom Kills out from September to October, how that move looked so bad in retrospect after we got the free guy run, which has been amazing. After we got that opening weekend of Shang-Chi, which was way above expectations. And the Universal saw all that happened and still put Halloween Kills day and date. You know, they saw that big movies are continuing to do Bafa Bobo at the box office. And they made this move. I mean, they're making this move. All of these studios are just so streamo focused right mm-hmm. now. The, their, their main directive from Wall Street, all right? And I say that with a with some venom in my in my uh speech there from I could Wall hear it. Street. I could hear it. And and you know, from from all these these suits, the suits who were never in creative, they're just suits that came from either Wall Street or from the tech companies. All they care about is propping up their streamos. And so for Universal, all they care about is is Peacock, which is is seems like a lost cause in some ways because Peacock is just, I think, famous for being the streamo that people have and don't know they have it. Yeah, it's and it, it, but and also when when can you actually watch this movie? Can you watch it with the commercial tier? Can, or do you have to watch it with the premium non-commercial tier? Because you can't watch it on the free well, tier. Well, so when it says it's going to stream day and day on Peacock, these people are just going to go to Peacock and think they can watch it. And then it's going to have that little stupid feather there. And you're going to say, yeah. wait, why can't I watch this? It said it was streaming on Peacock. Yep. And then you get mad at the movie. And you should. And, yeah. and that happens all the time is that technology fails and people need something to get mad at, so they get mad at, at the movie or the movie character or the content itself. And you, all this is going to do is people are going to go to Peacock, like you said. They're not going to have subscribed to it because who knows how to subscribe to Peacock? There's three tiers. And, and when they can't watch Halloween Kills because they're not on the right tier, they're just going to be mad at Michael Myers. And they're going to throw their hands up and they're going to be like, fuck this guy. And the... F- and you're going to get a lot of that, especially with the type of people who are predisposed to, to to watch a Halloween movie immediately. A lot of them are going to get to a point where they're like, fuck this guy. And that is not what you want. I mean, you want people to be scared of Michael Myers and to want to see him get killed, but you don't want them to be mad at him in a business sense. And and I think this, the three tiers of Peacock are going to drive people to that place. And. And, you know, the thing is, the gore heads, mm-hmm. the 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 creep lovers, uh-huh, uh-huh, the horror meisters, they will come yep. out for this first weekend in the theater. They they don't need yes. this at home. They, they don't need this at home. They don't want this at home. They want to go and they want to get sick. And I don't mean sick by yes. COVID. Uh, I'm not trying to be glib. I mean, they want to go out into the theaters and see a sick movie in public. 
that gets them yes. off. That's what they want. Yes. And then, oh, yes. but you can also watch it next to episodes of The Office. That is not yeah. the Halloween Michael Myers demo. No. No, you, you don't want to be watching Halloween Kills and then have the suggestion, or do you want to watch Girls 5 Eva? And, and I, I think that is going to be one of those things that really hurts this franchise is being on its opening weekend, being on a carousel next to Girls 5 Eva, which uh, all I'll say about that is it's a, it's a show that had about three days of Twitter buzz and then people have forgotten it ever existed and it's not the type of property that you want to be side by side with something you think is supposed to be a giant box office match. And that's the thing. This It's going to diminish it. It's going to diminish Halloween Kills for opening weekend to be in between Girls 5 Eva and season eight of AP Bio. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's And you have to... Michael Myers at this point has heat. This movie is not a movie that they have to worry about the box office with. Wait till the third movie. If this movie doesn't do well and mm-hmm. it underperforms, then I would say do that hybrid if you want to. But don't this movie is so highly anticipated. I can't understand why you wouldn't make this theatrical only. And yeah. and it's not it's, it's, and they're not doing it because of the Delta variant. It's it's that's not part of the of the narrative at all. It's just to build up this this lame streamer. Yeah, and and, and the thing that that again we're we're seeing clearly this summer is that we've always said, or at least I've been pounding that drum since the day one of Bo Boys. The, the theatrical window, that original 90-plus day window, was way too long. So we agree the window had to be shortened. But I think we're seeing there needs to be some kind of window. There needs to be some small window because with these streamos, having it get to the streamo a lot sooner than a movie used to be, that's, that's what you could push. You know, the fact that Halloween kills, you could drop it on Peacock. Hell, this is something we talked about when the news first off broke. Mic, yeah. Off mic. So now we bring it off mic on mic. Halloween Kills opens October 15th. Drop this movie on Streamo on October 30th. Yes. Two weeks later, so that people could watch it on Halloween weekend proper. Then the the they could get that bonus of, oh my God, it's Halloween Day. And I could rewatch Halloween Kills at home. You know, I'm stuffed full of candy. I'm a a 46-year-old man who went trick-or-treating because with a mask on, I think people can't tell my age. I filled up a a sack with Jolly Ranchers and and, and just unwrapped candy. I asked for it unwrapped. And, And I got home and I'm shoving it in my face. I'm full of candy, gut full of candy. And guess what? Halloween Kills just dropped on Peacock. Then you're not angry at Michael Myers. You, you're thankful for him. You're thankful that you, you, you've got something to focus your eyes on as your belly rumbles and, and your butt tumbles from all that Halloween candy. Then that's a thankful man right there. That's a thankful Halloween viewer. Yeah. But you give it to him as a bonus a couple of weeks later, not opening weekend, 
where, where it has to open next to Girls Five ever. You, you you don't diminish, especially because it like it's free. If it's premium access, that's different. If you want to have this go day and date, it, you need to pay for it. You need to pay twenty nine ninety nine. You need to make because right. people will pay for it. It's right. giving. Yeah, it, it, it's the the option for streaming day and date should be: Do you want to pay for it at a theater, or do you want to pay for it at home? And I understand. Yeah, we're paying for all these streamers monthly. I know, huh? But you're not making a conscious decision with that. It comes out unless you're writing a check to Netflix every month, which is hello, buddy. Mm-hmm. That is passively coming out of your bank account as opposed right. to I'm right. going to click on this button and buy a virtual ticket. Right. You need you need to right. Mike Myers needs to be paid for at this point. Right. And and I think the the the, the thing that Disney has done so well with their streamo is they created that pay-per-view PVOD experience within Disney Plus. Where you subscribe for it, but there's also those movies that come out that you got to pay 30 bucks a pop to watch on the service. And HBO Max hasn't done that. Peacock hasn't done that. Uh, 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 Crackle hasn't done that. You know, none of these other streamos have added that pay-per-view tier. And I don't know if it's they're scared. They're scared to, to try and get that kind of money out of the fans. Or somehow they just don't know how to do that. They don't know how to create a pay-per-view TR. And to that, I think we direct them to the Paul brothers. Logan Paul and Jake Paul have done Bafa uh, uh, PVODO with their celebrity boxing matches. And maybe Peacock bring in the Paul brothers and just say, listen, charge us whatever you want, but you got to set up a pay-per-view TR on Peacock because somehow we don't know how to do it. You guys are the kings of pay-per-view. Logan Paul, could you could you give us a pay per view here? Uh, I I don't know. I, I don't know if if Disney Plus has just cornered the market on all of the developers who know how to create pay per view tiers, but Peacock's got to do something like that if they want to put Halloween Kills open. Uh, I uh, get the Paul Brothers in there and make a pay per view tier. What makes it even more depressing depressing to me is that Universal, when this pandemic first hit, were on the vanguard of closing the window making it smaller, mm-hmm. of releasing movies that were still in the theaters on PVOD, of really feeling like they had more of a grasp as to what to do here than the other mm-hmm. people, the other companies. And now they're looking like fools and it stinks because, yep. you know, they were at the top of the heap and now they're at the bottom of the heap. And that it bums me out. Yeah. In just a few short months. Well, no, they you know, weren't we short were, months. We were looking. Well, they they were they were long months, and everything feels longer right now. But uh, like like back in March, we're looking at Universal releasing uh, uh, Bob Odenkirk's Nobody and having that seventeen day TR before it goes on PVOD, and we were saying, "There you go. That's the way to go. Get the movie theater money, and then while it's still fresh." pay-per-view sign. Yes, and that movie has done but, so but, well at home. Yep, yep. All right, well, let's see, um, because we are about to do summer movie season is over. 
Yes. And we're going to do our summer movie season winners and losers. And let's see if Universal falls into either of those categories. Let's see. Yeah. So we'll do this. We're going to start winners and we're just going to go back and forth. And we're each, we haven't discussed this beforehand. So I don't know who your winners and losers are and you don't know who mine are. Uh, and the, the wannabe old boys, wannabe old girls, wannabe old people. people, they have no idea at all because they're neither of us. So they're, they're totally out in the dark, which is great for them. It must be nice to be surprised. Um, so let's start with you, Clayton. Let's start with winners. Throw me a winner of the summer 2021 BO season. Well, I hate to steal one of yours because I know this is going to be one of yours. But I... Steal it. I would say that one of the winners of the summer movie season is Emily Blunt. Yes. A hundred percent. You stole it, but uh, I just love to hear. Well, Emily Blunt had a huge hit at the beginning of this summer movie season when things were opening up again. Quiet Place Part Two did Bafa Bobo. And had legs. Big drop uh, the first weekend. And then, but the drops after that, very small. This is a movie people really wanted to see. The anticipation was high. And then she had another hit alongside The Rock with Jungle Cruise. Another movie Mm -hmm. that had long legs. And is still continuing to do well. She has had a breakout summer. And there's a lot of things that happen this summer. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of craziness in the world and at the theaters. But we need to make sure that people remember this summer as mm-hmm. the summer of Blunt. Yep. Yeah, it, it's, it's been an amazing summer. It's, it's akin to, I always bring it up, the, the famous Julia Roberts summer where she had Notting Hill and Runaway Bride within a few months of each other. Uh, uh, the same summer, both $100 million hits. And Emily Blunt has hit that Julia Roberts level this summer. You know, maybe not longevity yet, obviously, but it's that kind of summer that people are going to remember for a long, long time. You tell your kids about, when you talk about the summer of 2021, you talk about Emily Blunt. This is all-time summer. And I think it's it's one of those things where, you know, we 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 had discussions and arguments. I'm always I'm always more reticent to crown somebody as a star than you are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she had the Quiet Place franchise, but really box office wise little else now jungle cruise now it's not a it, it's not a uh, original ip she does have the rock to help her out but this is still a movie not in the quiet place franchise that she is starring in mm-hmm. and it did Bafa bobo and that you know it's so hard for any actor to move out of any franchise and have success, mm. that this should be applauded. Yeah, yeah. So Emily Blunt, huge, huge summer. Dev, I would say the biggest winner of the summer as far as actors go, for sure, as far as stars go. Oh, I don't know about I that, think, though, right? Because 
Well, I've got a star I'm going to put up there now as a winner of the summer. And that's a, this is going to be a star who also had a double dip this summer. Also had two movies. But the summer didn't start off so hot for this next winner. The summer started off with a sequel. Much like Emily Blunt started her summer with a sequel to a previous summer hit. This winner started with a sequel to a previous summer hit. But that movie did not do that well. So he started off rough. He was on the ropes by the end of the summer. On the ropes. But then came back as one of the biggest winners of 2021. I'm talking about Ryan Reynolds, the free guy himself. Absolutely. Uh, one, uh, one of the biggest winners of the summer, for sure. Because what he did was he finally shook that label of he's only Deadpool. And it's a label we had put on him. The B.O. Boys had many a times called him a star only when he's Deadpool. Yes. And, you know, he'd had some other hits, hits, what a lowercase h, that are non-Deadpool. You know, he had, what was that, Safe House with Denzel. It was a hit, but it was not a giant hit, and it was more of a Denzel movie. And he had things like the, the first Hitman's Bodyguard, which was a leggy late August movie, did in the, what, 70s or 80 domestic total. It was a hit, but a lowercase h hit. He had never had anything that was a unadulterated, uh, uh, huge hit, capital well, H the, hit, the other proposal. than the, the proposal Deadpool. was huge. And the proposal. That's Sandy. He's, it's Sandy, but no, no, you're right. That's a, that was a, a hit, but it he still, I feel like, never really got the credit for it and kind of didn't seek it. And no one really tried to give him the credit for it. You know, like up until Free Guy, he was... A movie star only when he's Deadpool. And then Free Guy has come out. It's about to hit $100 million domestic. Wildly overperformed. Leggiest movie of the summer. People love it. And it is a pure star vehicle. You know, Free Guy is not IP. Free Guy is just, here's a big premise. And the movie star is going to carry it. You know, this is as old-fashioned of a hit as you're going to get in these times. And he he pulled it off. And now Ryan Reynolds is a movie star who is not just Deadpool. He is also Free Guy. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. I, I think it's it's – we've talked about this previously that all of the big stars are getting old. We don't have younger uh-huh. stars. Now, everybody's going to say, Ryan Reynolds is in his early 40s. He's not young. For big stars, he is. Yes. And he's now establishing himself as a guy who, who could have a career that lasts through his 40s, into his 50s. Yeah. And that's huge because Hollywood needs those people to hang films on. Now, I know IP is king. Yeah. IP is king. But you still need stars. You still need stars to open abroad. You still need stars to bring people's butts to the seats for original mm-hmm. IPs. And that's what he did. Yeah. So he's helping and, the and he's helping the movie business, but he's also helping Joe and Jim and Jane screenplay who are working on mm-hmm. a cool idea that's not based on 
a ride at Disney or a graphic mm-hmm. novel or mm-hmm. a newsletter that somebody puts free underneath your windshield wiper. Right, right. The big IP. It's it's not it's not it's not based on a serial. No, it's a it's original. And and those right. people who are who are laboring with those things get hope from this man and this film. And that's huge. Yeah, that's huge. So huge winner, Ryan Reynolds. He's now got a second franchise in the Free Guy franchise because they're going to make more of those movies. And it's a movie that's beloved. And that's going to help whatever he does next because it's not going to fall into what legendary box office writer Scott Mendelson calls the the uh the the Tomb Raider trap where where a big a movie is a hit but it's hated so then it's a problem for when they make sequels or when that star makes another movie Free Guy is a beloved movie so that second movie is going to be anticipated as as all get out it's going to be super anticipated and probably whatever Ryan Reynolds does next will be so much more anticipated because People had such a good time at Free Guy. So he's he's sitting in the proverbial catbird seat right now. He's he's hot as it gets. Yeah. Now So Clayton, yeah. let's give another winner. Do you have another winner? I possibly one that isn't a star. Yes, absolutely. And I'm gonna be very specific here because it is one aspect of this business. I'm not saying okay. that this whole company is a winner. But I'm gonna say winner, one of the winners of the summer movie season disney's release strategy Mm -hmm. and i Mm -hmm. know you know there's an ongoing dispute with scar joe about whether or not the black widow release was what she signed up for but i will say that they i think have cracked the day and date like we said, and we beat this drum, you got to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Having it on their platform, Premier Access, that way you can have it until it drops again onto the service. So as long as you have Disney+, Plus, you have access to your Premier Access films. I mean, they released Cruella through this, Black Widow. Um, what else? Oh, Jungle Cruise. And yeah, Jungle Cruise, one of the great success stories of that track. And it's and it's been a success. This is the way to go mm-hmm. about day and date. We saw HBO Max and how they had to pay out billions and billions to people. Now, again, this is contingent on the ScarJo lawsuit. What happens with that when, when it comes to making the actors and the creatives happy? But I think just as a... As a way to keep theatrical special and keep it alive, this does give the pay here, pay at the theater or pay at home option, which I think makes movies still special. And people will pay for them. We've seen that. Mm -hmm. Black Widow made all in, not just domestic, $125 on Premiere Access. Wow. And that's a huge amount of money. Yep. So, and that was a highly bootlegged film. Now, I understand there's a level of piracy that's going to happen when you day and date anything. But at the very least, they're not pirating something that people are getting 
basically for free. They're pirating right, something right. that people will, were still poning up 30 bucks for because they were thinking it's easier to pay for this than to steal it. Right, right. I mean, if you you think about that, the, most likely, at at the very least, that original pirate had to pay $30 to be able to rip that stream from Disney Plus PVOD. You know, so you got you got the pirate. Uh, obviously, the pirate made a lot more after the fact because the pirate went out there on the seas and is selling uh, uh, copies of that movie over and over and over again, or or downloading for free. So they're getting they're getting you know whatever benefit they they enjoy of putting a movie out there for free. But the pirate did have to pay for it at first. So at least you, you got a little bit of that pirate's booty before the pirate started pirating. Yeah, that's very true. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is by far Disney's release strategy was the one that worked the most. I mean, you just look at, you look at this top 10 for the summer, uh, and and out of the top seven, one, two, three, four, obviously this part of it is because Disney plus just releases the most movies, but four out of the top seven, uh, hits of this summer were Disney releases. So it, it's working. It's working. And three of those, yeah, were, were Disney plus PBOD day and dates. Yeah. Now, Pat, do you have any other winners or do we want to move on to losers? I got one more winner. Okay. And, and this one is, I would say, one of the winners of this summer is opening weekend. Opening weekend itself was a winner because... For all the doom and gloom that we had coming into this box office season, a lot of the doom and gloom that that people had uh, uh, still, where they're like, oh, look at this movie. It didn't do as much as expected. Or look at this drop. Or, you know, the, these movies, they they open big, but then they they drop all the way. You know, look at Space Jam Legacy. Open at $35 million. It, it It drops so much. And all these drops. Drop, drop, drop. Everyone's talking about drops. But... The reason that you could still have those big drops is because you had the big opening weekend. And we've just seen it all summer. You know, you you got to that place where Black Widow's hitting 80 and and F9's hitting 70. And, and, you know, Shang-Chi opens to what? That was in the 70s and it's three-day opening weekend. So your start space jam opened to 35 million dollars and jungle cruise opened the 35 you know you had the a conjuring sequel a, a musty threequel still opened to the 20s you know so so what we're seeing is the opening weekend still has magic of course there's going to be movies that bomb in their opening weekend but but for the most part what we're seeing is People want to see the big new movie. They want to be part of an opening weekend. That part of Americana has not gone away. The pandemic did not kill the opening weekend. No, that's very true. Now, now, Pat, do you want to kick off our losers of the summer? Do you have one handy? Well, I just went. So why don't you why don't you start with with your first who is her? So I feel bad calling this one of the losers of the summer movie season, but I think it 
it just is facts. And I'm going to uh-huh. go with a film. And that film is The Suicide Squad. Yeah. Because this film has not even made $60 million domestic as of now. It is sitting at mm-hmm. 55.2 and opened so weakly that it it opened at 26 million, dropped 71% in second weekend. This was an HBO day and date film. There are so many things wrong with it. We should have seen that this film was destined to fail. Number one, nobody liked the first one. You you mm-hmm. mentioned Mendelssohn's Tomb Raider theory mm-hmm. where the second one doesn't do as well because people went and saw the first one, but they hated it. Also, the marketing of this film, this film was very hard to market because it was nasty and uh, and and exploitative, but it was yeah, but it was fun as hell. Mm-hmm. And you know, they name it the Suicide Squad instead of Suicide Squad. It's it's just confusing marketing. And I thought this was a great picture. Me and you both loved it, but just the box office showed that this film was not well-liked. The streaming numbers showed that this film was not well-liked. So this is no, unfortunate. not highly watched at yeah, all. So this is unfortunately a loser of the summer for me. Well, you know what? I'm going to build off of that with my first loser of the summer because I was about to throw out another movie as a loser. I was going to say In the Heights. And then I thought... You know what? You just said Suicide Squad. I'm about to say In the Heights. There's a bunch of other movies that we could say. And the common denominator... Oh, there's there's the... the fuck it, we're keeping that in. Oh, you gotta. City living. So, the, the, the common denominator of a lot of these possible loser movies are... Warner Media, Warner Brothers... HBO Max day and date releases. To me, that is the way Disney Plus PVOD day and date is a winner of the summer. This Warner HBO Max strategy is a loser. Uh, it, it is a loser beyond losers. It, it did not work. It, it, it diminished the movies. And you know what? It clearly it didn't help HBO Max. You know, because look at what you said there with Suicide Squad bombing in the viewership it's not like we look up we look at the papers now when we're reading about how hbo max has 50 million subscribers it 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 did you threw all of these gigantic costly big budget movies for free on your service and it didn't didn't really dent the the stream wars this was a failure i mean you look at you look at their releases this this summer. Jungle Cruise, Giant Disaster. Uh, I'm sorry, not Jungle Cruise. Suicide yeah. Squad, The Suicide Squad, Giant Disaster. Space Jam, A New Legacy. Middling made $67 million total domestic. Did okay. You know, Conjuring, maybe we do at $65 million. Okay. I mean, obviously, In the Heights, Giant Bomb, Those Who Wish Me Dead, just... Flopperoo. It, it's been a terrible summer, I would say, for Warner Brothers, especially because of what Suicide Squad did. And 
The reason that it's a loser of the summer, because a lot of people are probably right now screaming as they're listening to us. A lot of a lot of the listeners are like, what about Kong versus Godzilla? What about Kong versus Godzilla? Huge hit made 100 million domestic. Yep. But that is not a summer movie. We're not going through the winners and losers of the spring 2021. Tom and Jerry, not a loser. Not a loser, but that's a spring release, not a summer release. So Warner Brothers was looking pretty good heading into the summer, Mm -hmm. you know, because King uh, Kong versus Godzilla and Tom and Jerry were both day and date HBO Max movies that had really great opening weekends. Congress Godzilla did a hundred million and everyone was saying, I guess the strategy is going to work. But then once spring turned to summer and in the Heights kick things off with that disastrous opening weekend and those low HBO max streamo numbers, the, the, the worm turned on Warner brothers this summer and, and suicide squad was, was the worm just splitting itself in half. You know, it turned within the heights and it just it just melted at the end of the summer. Yeah. And, and so Warner Brothers, HBO Max, day and date, its whole release schedule this summer has been a big loser. And, you know, it cost them billions of dollars to do yep. market research for every other streaming service to see mm-hmm. what works and what doesn't. And then Peacock and Universal go ahead and drop How Wing Kills on their service. So shame on you, Universal. I'm not going to say you're a full-on loser for the summer because this kind of happened at the tail end and it's not a summer. It doesn't have a summer movie attached because Halloween Kills, of course, is a fall movie. But I got to slide that in there because you saw what happened with HBO and you're you're not paying attention. Yep. Yep. So, um, all right, Clayton. So, do you have a second Lahu Zher? Well, I gotta say. So, I talked about Disney's release strategy, which I think is a winner. But this new uh, this new Disney CEO, Bob Chapek. Mm-hmm. This guy's a loser. Interesting, because. He's a bully and a goon. He doesn't know how to talk. Okay. He releases statements telling people how much his the creatives are getting paid. How ScarJo, how much money ScarJo's making. Now, maybe he didn't mm-hmm. say, let's do this. It happened under his watch. Therefore, he's mm-hmm. the captain of the ship. It is up to him to plug the holes in the hull, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't trust this guy. I don't think this guy knows what he's doing. And I think he is not long for this world when it comes to being a CEO of Disney. And I, I'm going to wow. say he's a summer loser for me. Anytime Disney, this is so interesting. Anytime Disney so had good news, mm-hmm. anytime it had good news, his name was not mentioned. And anytime it was bad mm-hmm. news or controversy, this guy's in the article. So I don't mm-hmm. know if someone's trying to slander him. I don't know what's going on media wise, but he's not coming off as a guy that is should spearhead this company, especially with all its its impressive IP 
you can't have this guy out there throwing just 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 throwing out statements willy-nilly. Wow. So fascinating to see a release strategy of a studio as a winner and it's the CEO of that same studio as a loser, but you know what? It makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes sense cuz he yeah, he he doesn't feel like Anyone in town is touting him. And you want to be touted in this town. And I say this town because the B.O. boys are we're in oh, the yeah. town. He's no Bob Iger. Um, he's no Bob Iger. He's no Bob Iger. There's there's uh, there's his uh, Chapex uh, autobiography title someday. I, I was no Bob Iger. No Iger. Use that one. For Hashtag free. no, no Iger. Iger. Mm-hmm. So, Pat, who is um, one of your losers or what is one of your losers? You know what? I'm going to give this to an actor and it's going to be someone that I I don't think this in the end matters at all for either their legacy or their future employment. But there is someone who was sort of the inverse Emily Blunt this summer who just had a lot of movies in the same summer and all of them were either disappointments or outright flops. I got to say, and people are about there. God, I'm making people scream out loud right now, yelling at their, their phones or their listening devices. Samuel L. Jackson this summer had three movies and I wouldn't have even said this if he only had two. But he had three movies this summer that he was the 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 value add of, and the value did not seem to be added this summer. He had the Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife, which ended up making thirty eight million all in. I mean, that's a movie that should have made more. He had Spiral from the Book of Saw, which was a huge flop. And he also was a co-star in The Protégé, which was another huge flop. Made $7 million all in. And another common denominator of those three films, they were all Lionsgate films. All Lionsgate films, all underperformers. So you know what? The loser of the summer, I'll say, is the relationship between Samuel Jackson and Lionsgate films. You know, both separately are are things that we like a lot. You know, Samuel Jackson, great actor, one of the great value adds of all time. Lionsgate makes a lot of cool stuff. You know, there's sort of that, that fourth or fifth, they're a mini major. You know, they're trying to keep the big studios honest out there by still releasing uh, crazy bullshit on a big level. And... Those two things separately are great, but this summer together, they were a loser. So Sam Jackson doing movies for Lionsgate. I don't know if it was a, a situation where they he had a meeting and he just said yes to everything, uh, that one meeting, and he just did three Lionsgate films in a row, but none of them worked at the box office. Maybe go your separate ways. Samuel Jackson and Lionsgate don't do any more movies together. Um, was he just on the lot? 
you know, like he he agreed to do Spiral from the Book of Saw and then on his way uh, uh, to the commissary to, to, to pick up his his lunch. He ended up being in the protege. Yeah, it's uh, it's like uh, when he's like Henry Rollins in, 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 at VH1 in the '90s and 2000s, where anytime they did any sort of documentary about any band, Henry Rollins would just be sitting there talking about them. Right, and you're like, was right. he Go just hanging out? Those. I bet you he was in the same T-shirt. Yes, I bet you it was all one film. Well, it's always a black T-shirt with just, him anyway. Exactly. Exactly. And I I think that's what happened with Sam Jackson. Go through these movies. Was he wearing the same shirt in both the protege and the hitman's bodyguard's wife? There's a chance. There's a chance. Protege really feels like that was a I was on the lot situation. I I will. You know, Michael Keaton waved him over, said, hey, buddy, come on, do let's do a quick scene together. Mm -hmm. And Sam Jackson's like, they got $8 million? And and Keaton's like, they'll get $8 million. Come on, just come do it. And then Lionsgate, at the end of the day, they, they're like, fuck, Sam Jackson was in the movie. I guess we were giving him $8 million. I will say, though, the only film of those three that Samuel Jackson really, promotion-wise, was front and center in was The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Because... True. He didn't do any promotion for the protege. I don't even think he was in the trailer for the protege. And Spiral, that was Chris Rock's face everywhere. I know he's in it and he's it a big part of it, but I didn't see Samuel Jackson in the marketing material for that really either. He was in the trailer, I'm pretty sure. I mean, yeah, Spiral is on Chris Rock's back, but but you don't you don't bother saying Chris Rock is a loser of the summer because one of the great standups of all time, obviously, but him being a box office loser is like saying, uh, you know, sliced cheese is is in a comes in little plastic wrappers. We all know that. Well, that's not real cheese. That's oil pressed together to look like cheese. But but you know, if it's it comes in the little wrappers, everyone knows that, and everyone knows Chris Rock's not going to do much at the box office. Yeah. Well, Pat, do you- so those are. The, that I think that's it for me for the losers. You know, I mean the 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 biggest one I think is is Warner Brothers and their release schedule and their their summer slate. Yeah, that that's the truest loser we had all summer. Yeah, and otherwise, I mean, the other, I would just do the uh, twin of yours, your winner, where it was first weekend. I'd say second weekend has been, for the mm-hmm. most part, the loser when it comes to the summer movie season. And that's just because of your day and dates, because of, right. you know, front-loaded films. Blockbusters always, most blockbusters, always do drop pretty big in their second weekends. But we did see some huge drops. But I think also... Right. We saw some huge drops, but you know what second weekend is out there saying? They're saying, if you go... With a window, we could do it too. Because look at Free Guy and look at Shang-Chi, two late summer movies that didn't have day and date streamos that were theater only. And the second weekends were were real good. So that second weekend saying, give us a chance. You know, don't don't start us behind the eight ball. Give us a chance and we could do it too. 
Well, so that's our winners and losers. Pat, we got to look forward to this coming weekend. Yeah. So the weekend of Friday, September 17th. And we got uh, another day and date HBO Max film. But yeah. this is by one of the perennial movie stars, our oldest movie star, mm-hmm. our longest running movie star. Mm-hmm. Cry Macho, directed and starring Clint Eastwood. Yeah, this is such an interesting case because I'm going to throw out right away two comps for Cry Macho. You know, these are two other movies written uh, written by the same screenwriter and directed and starring Clint Eastwood, just as Cry Macho is. And those are Gran Torino, which came out in 2009, and The Mule, which came out just a couple of years ago. Was it 2018? Uh, yeah, December 2018. So Both $100 million dollar films. I'm going to th- guess what Gran Torino made at the domestic box office total. A hun- Throw a number. 120 out. million. 148 million dollars domestic. Another 120 international. Oh, wow. That that movie played like a goddamn IP uh, uh, summer action movie. Mm-hmm. It's opening weekend. It had a couple of weeks, actually, of of platforming. You know, it opened in six theaters and was just small amount of theaters for a few weeks. But it's wide release opening weekend. It made twenty nine million dollars, then twenty one million dollars, then sixteen million dollars. I mean, incredible, incredible hit Gran Torino. And then the mule made a hundred and three million dollars domestic just a few years ago. And what did it open Had a to? Seventeen million. It opened to seventeen and a half. And then the legs were were out of this world. And it also opened in late December, so it had that holiday run where every day is a weekend for a couple of weeks. So, so those are the the comps. Those are such direct comps because again. They're also Clint Eastwood movies where it's him as a sort of like cranky old guy who is interacting with people who don't necessarily look like him. And he's got to deal with his emotions and deal with aging and deal with maybe like seeing the world in a different way than he used to see it. You know, those themes, all three of these movies are definitely of a piece. And I think people like to see cranky old, uh, you know, sort of racist Clint Eastwood dealing with other cultures in that way. There's a big audience for that. And that's what this movie seems to be. And the question is, is Cry Macho just going to do mule business? Well, it is day or at least Mule opening weekend. Does it have a chance? It is day and date, HBO Max. So that it is day and date. The thing is, we're gonna figure out what the age demographic for HBO Max is because Mm -hmm. if HBO Max cuts into this opening weekend, we'll see the oldsters 
that's that's who watches HBO Max. But I do think, right. you know, we've been so heavily skewed theatrically to the 18 to 34 year olds. They are the ones coming out. The oldsters have stayed home. Does Clint in his 90s. Now, this is supposedly his last film. Okay. And I know he said that several times. He's he's the he's the kiss of movie stars. Because Kiss yes, always says yes. we're retiring, we're retiring, they come back. Yes, yes. Yeah, Clint and Cher should go on a, fa- a farewell tour together and then do it three years in now, a row. Now, I don't think necessarily, I might be, that might be erroneous. He might not have said this is his last film, but there's chances that it is his last film because he is so old. Right, And he's right, still spry right, right. and he still can star and he can still pull in the butts to the seats. But mm-hmm. there is a chance that this could be his last film that he directs and stars in. So mm-hmm. that could be a reason to see this in the theater. When me and you went and saw Candyman, the preview for this film came on. Yeah, this is going to be rough to hear. And people laughed. Mm-hmm. And we were at the Nighthawk mm-hmm. in Park Slope. And it was yep. young, younger people who laughed. It was yeah, younger yeah. people. It's I mean, Candyman's a young skewing movie. We're in Brooklyn. We're not in the young. We're not in Williamsburg, but but the younger people of Park Slope were at Candyman. It's people who don't know Clint Eastwood's box office history and what a true star he is. Yes. Yep. It's people who are giggling because they're on the precipice of becoming old. And and I just wanna mm-hmm. I just wanna let uh, all the millennials yes. out there know that. As soon as you hit 30, you're old, okay? Stop acting as if you're young. Stop acting as if watching TikTok is going to be the magic elixir. You are old, okay? And stop trying to act like a young person. So they're sitting there Mm -hmm. giggling like, oh, I'm too young to relate to Clint Eastwood. No, you're not. No, you're not. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His problems are yours. His struggles are yours, millennials. There are- Once you hit 30, You've got you're starting to get that joint pain that Clint Eastwood is gutting his way through right and now. And those doors are closing. Look behind you. And mm-hmm. I know you don't want to look behind you. There's a lot of closed doors. Yep. There's a ton of slam doors. And and you can't pretend yep. anymore that they're not there. They are there. So when you're giggling mm-hmm. and you're looking at Clint Eastwood, you're giggling at yourself. Okay. Yep. So so the reason why I bring this up is because those people are not going to see this movie. And they sh- they're not the demo for this movie. The demo for this movie is the oldsters. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be this is going to be a test to see if the oldsters will come back. And I don't know if they will. I am so flummoxed by this. I don't know what this is going to open to because this could very easily open to 5 million dollars like malignant it could it's 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 such a it's such a tough movie to predict because we've got the mule just 2 years ago or 3 years ago now almost 3 years ago december of 2018 and that movie opened to 17 and a half million so that is to me the high end of what something like cry macho would have done even without a day and date hbo max situation mm-hmm. That, to me, is the ceiling of this movie. 
But like you said, the floor could be single digits if the oldsters have just decided we're not going to the movie theater at all when we could just watch this at home. And the oldsters are probably the most likely to have HBO. They, they've had it since the 80s. But here's, here's the thing. The oldsters have HBO on their cable box. They don't necessarily, and that gives them the, 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 this, they are allowed to have HBO Max elsewhere because there's HBO subscribers. They might not know they have HBO Max. The fact that they have HBO on their cable box so that they could, you know, uh, uh, watch if Arliss ever comes back for a reboot season or wherever, you know, they've had HBO on their cable box since it started in 1981. Doesn't mean that the oldsters necessarily know they could go to HBO Max or know how to get to HBO Max to watch this movie. So the question again becomes, do the young people in their family come over and set up HBO Max for them on their smart TV. You know, or do these oldsters still have like an old box TV that can't get HBO Max? It's 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 not so clear cut that the oldsters are going to watch it at home because they might not know that they can well, or they might not know that they how to do it. And these youngsters who are out there uh, 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 giggling and snickering at the trailer for Cry Macho. They might when they're when their older parent or grandparent says, "Hey, could you set up the HBO Max? I want to watch Clint." They might say, "Oh, Clint's an old fuddy duddy." Yeah, they'll refuse. And and, and he's and and he's uh you know he's yelling at the chair. I'm I'm mad that he yelled at the chair. I'm not setting that up for you, Grandma. Yeah, yeah. They might and, try and, to make. They a, might not do it. They might try to make a statement. They might try to dig their heels in and say. I'm a good person. I'm not setting HBO Max up for my elderly grandparent to watch Clint Eastwood yep. because I'm a good yep. person. And that's what good people do. Yeah. Yeah. So that that you might get that situation. God, it's going to be it's going to be a powder keg across America this weekend when these oldsters start asking their uh, children or grandchildren to come over and sent up set up the 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 HBO thing for Clint. Oh yeah, there's going to be a lot of arguments. There's going to be a lot of screaming. Yep. Yep. So I don't know what this cry macho is going to do with the box office, but it's going to start a lot of painful conversations this weekend between generations. But you know what you can do, oldsters? If you want to eliminate any of those issues and just be able to enjoy Clint, is go to mm-hmm. the theater and see this movie. Just go to the theater. You can do that. That's something that you have the ability to do. You might not be able to set right. up HBO Max, but you can right. get in your car and you yep. can drive to the theater and you can say, one for cry macho. Yep, yep. You yeah. have that power. Or, or take the bus. Take the bus if if your license has been revoked. You could take the bus to the theater. I'm sure there's, there's you know, there's a bus that'll get you there. And, and I will say, and you know, listen, Delta variant, I'm not going to, I'm not, we don't want to get into a whole COVID conversation, but there is yet to be any reports of a outbreak that emanates from a theater showing. No. Well, and also the the oldsters are not going to the Nighthawk 
you know, Alamo draft house type theaters where they're also sitting down and having a, a pasta dinner mm-hmm. with their masks off while while they're watching the movie. These oldsters, if they go to Cry Macho this weekend, they're going to the movie theater that does not serve pasta dinners. And they're sitting there with their masks on. They ain't ordering anything. They're not, they're not, the oldsters are not paying for popcorn. If anything, they got uh, some hard candies in their pockets that they didn't even remember they still had in there. And, you know, they, they were supposed to give them to their grandkids when they visited and the grandkid never visited. So the hard candy's still in their pocket. And maybe they're taking that out and they're sucking on it for a little bit, but they're probably putting the mask right back mm-hmm. on. So the, the oldsters. You can suck on, you can uh, suck on a Werther's with a mask on. Exactly. It's not exactly. a constant stream of food in your mouth. It's one continuous suck. Right, 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 right. And that's, God, that's the type of thing that, you know, Clint's above this type of thing. But a PSA to the oldsters about how you could suck on a Werther's with your mask on in the theater would have went a long way. Yeah. And I know Werther's for you know, old you, people, it's hack, and I understand, you know, I could say right. root beer barrels or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. old-timey, su- suckable c- candy that old people, right. wrapped, wrapped candy that old people suck on, you know, put put that in there, whatever they do, you know. Right, right. I know Werther's is hack, you don't have to send me an email. Right. Though you could email us, email us what candies, wrapped candies you think the oldsters are sucking on while they watch Cry Macho this weekend at the B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. So actually do email us. Do email us. Do email us that. All right. Let's get down to brass tacks. Cry Macho opening this weekend. Why? Day and date HBO Max release. I'm going to go an over under of $10 million. So you go first, Clayton, over under me here. Is this movie staying in double digits or is it going into the singles? I hate this. I think it's going to go under. You think it's going under. You think the oldsters are either going to give up or maybe their grandkid relents and and sets up the HBO Max for them and and they don't get out to the theaters. Yeah. You think under... Low single digits? No. I mean, is this a malignant situation or is this getting to at least eight or nine million? I, I you know, it's so hard to tell. I'm gonna go with nine. Okay. What do you think? Nine. I'm going over. I think it gets to fourteen million dollars. Fourteen million dollars. So I think the oldsters are gonna go out. Clint is a movie star, and you know what? Here's the other X factor. When we were at the Nighthawk and a lot of those people were were giggling and they're they're they're, they laughed at the title and all that. They're going to be the ones who still go see it this weekend because Clint Eastwood is a movie star. And Clint Eastwood doesn't get to be a movie star all these years unless young people are still going to see him. The Mule made $100 million. Yes, mostly on probably older viewers, longtime fans. But younger people were seeing that movie, too. I point you towards a very famous uh, uh, segment from uh, television Saturday Night Live in which John Mulaney and Pete Davidson did a weekend update segment talking about how much they loved seeing The Mule, 
how that was such a crazy movie going experience. And, 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 uh, they, they said how they loved it. Big hit with the Saturday night live studio audience. And it showed Clint is someone who is a star to all generations. And the mule got people of that younger generation. It got uh, Pete Davidson, who who's just famous for Instagram, basically. He he's on national television talking about how much he loved the mule. And and, and I, I I guarantee you that's not an isolated incident. All right. So you think this do you think this is a slam doink number two? Uh because we, you know. So because our top fives, I mean, Shang-Chi, even if it drops 50 percent, 60 percent, it's still making, you know, next weekend, like 15 million. God, I have those neck and neck at this point, then Shang-Chi and Cry Macho. I'll go Shang-Chi one, Cry Macho two. And then I think Free Guy three is a slam doink. Malignant falls down, so I think Candyman stays at number four, and Jungle Cruise number five. I think Malignant falls out of the top five, and Cry Macho slides into number two. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. I think even if Cry Macho makes what I think it's going to make, it still will be number two. But you know yeah. what? We could have a Malignant situation where Free Guy beats it. I don't see that. I I do that think might be that that would be Cry such Macho's a huge bomb. Cry going to get Yeah, Cry Macho's going to get its oldsters and it's going to get a surprising amount of youngsters who they giggle at it when they're with their friends, but then they sneak away when they're all by themselves. They go to the theater and they see the new Clint Eastwood movie cuz Clint Eastwood is a movie star and in their heart of hearts even these millennials know that. All right. Well, Pat, I think we did it. Where we, You already gave them the email address. Yeah, the boboyspodcast at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. Um, you know, you could also find me on, on, on Twitter. I really only tweet about box office. A lot of our wannabeo boys, wannabeo girls, wannabeo people. people. They, they hang out with me on Twitter, and, and we go back and forth on box office. And, and listen... Maybe you you could give me some information that we didn't weren't aware of at the taping. You know, you could do that on Twitter, and then look, I talk about you on the show, and, and I'm sure our 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 buddy Bill Braski's Twitter handle is going to be just exploding because we mentioned his great Twitter uh, tip this week. And of course, check out our Substack, and then Brandon Gray on Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Got to go over yep. there. And talk about movies in box office revival. Yeah, it's exploding over there. Great, great, uh, great fun to just jump on there and, and talk box office with those guys. But Pat, I, I think we did it. So until next time. We'll smell you at the bar. Oh.